Hey booze, welcome to Crime and Spirits, your one-stop shop for handcrafted cocktails, spooky stories, and all things true crime. I am your resident bartender, Suze, and I'll be teaching you all a new drink recipe at the beginning of each of our episodes. And I'm Bree, drinker of the drinks, and I write the stories we tell. So, what should you expect while listening to us? Well, good question. There's going to be some swearing. Oh, a lot of swearing. Probably some rambling. Definitely rambling. And most likely a lot of off-topic pop culture references. We specialize in Bob's Burgers and maybe Always Sunny. Definitely. But what do you want from us? We're going to be drinking. And hopefully you will be too. So come hang out with us each week. And if you want to spend more time with us, check out the description for the link to all of our socials. Let's buckle up buttercups and sip tight. Let's get into it. Hi guys! Welcome back to Crime and Spirits. We're your hosts. I'm Bree and I'm Suze, and we are coming back at you with another episode this week. Yeah, yeah. How you doing? Pretty good. I actually just have a little shout out. Um, Ooh. My friend Bud got engaged this oh, Monday. Yes, congratulations! Yes, he is engaged to Jill now. Shout out to you guys. Woo-hoo. We were there. It was pretty fun. Pretty hot and swampy. It's been swampy and eerie. Oh, it's so gross. But if you've ever been to Erie, they have a little bicentennial tower down at the end of the dock, and he proposed up at the top of the tower. So sound cute. It was cute. So congratulations, you guys. Yeah, congrats. Get that out. I'm excited for the wedding. I know. I can't wait. It's been too long since I've been to a wedding. I love them. It's true. I, I love love. I, I love celebrating it. It's mm-hmm. always fun. And I love talking about my own future wedding while I'm watching that everything too. else ensue around me. Taking <laughs> ideas like, ooh, I like that. I like those flowers. I like what they did there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I'm excited for them, though. This will be fun. It's going to be fun. We're excited. Woo, woo. Yeah, yeah. Other than that, everything good? Same old, same, same old. old. Same old, same old. Just putting in the work at the day job, loving <laughs> every minute of it. I have to go back to work this week, and I don't want to. I vote just don't. Mm. <laughs> I got an email that was like, You're, you've are you been on an unapproved leave since July 11th, and you need to call your store manager right now or risk termination. And I had a moment where I was like, do I let them just fire me? <laughs> Or do I, do, I'm, I, I'm going to call her. I'm going to call Anne. I'm going to be responsible. Aw. Adulting <laughs> is hard sometimes, man. I just want to not, I want to do things like write scripts and make resin dominoes. It's and, true. And bleach t-shirts and just live my life. Live the dream. Basically craft day, but every day. Oh my God. That if is only. literally my dream. If only. Anyways. Back to the matters at hand right? here. So we are... I've never heard of this one. This one actually came to us via a Reddit post, oddly enough. This story about this person kind of blew up a little bit. Mark was like, hey, you guys should do this. And then Suze looked into her a little bit, and here we are. I have heard of her before, although not in this length and depth. She was, of course, I'm just going to say it, on an episode of Snapped. So, you know that's where I get all of my inspiration (laughs) from. Snapped or deadly women, one or the other. I mean, right. Tonight we're going to discuss the life and crimes of a woman named Nanny Doss, who is also known as the Giggling Grandma, which that really just... If you ever see a photo, you'd understand. It's so true. I recommend... We're going to post one 
as we usually Obviously. do, but I recommend the Google search. <laughs> She's responsible for the deaths of seven people. At least. At least. And her preferred method of murder was poisoning, which Poison. is something a little different for us to discuss. So, uh, like I said, this was not a case that I was familiar with previously, so it's been a lot of fun to learn about. So we're just going to get into it. And I know I got to workshop this drink with Sue, so I know it's really good. So good. But we're going to try it again just to make sure well, it's yeah. good. It's been a few weeks. Right. Um, we're calling it the Poison Apple. Mm-hmm. Don't you worry, though. We're borrow- Although we're borrowing the name from Nanny's preferred method of extermination, um, we're not actually using anything that will hurt you, so no. don't feel free. <laughs> feel free to make it. You won't die. Um, so... A little background on the booze this week. It's called Captain Morgan's Sliced Apple Rum. It's mm. a spiced apple rum, but it's, good. it's so good. Brie and I were, you know, perusing the liquor store as one does. <laughs> Lots for us, apparently. <laughs> and the bottle's just kind of cool. Like, the label has, like, a swipe through it and mm-hmm. an apple, and it's green and brown. It's and like that Fruit Ninja game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love it. And we were like, hmm, we're going to pick this up gonna put it in something i like apple and spices and all things fall like what could possibly go wrong so we're sort of doing a twist on a mule now if you don't know what a mule is it's usually vodka ginger beer and limes maybe some mint if you're feeling froggy however we're not exactly doing that obviously we're starting with rum so this is just a cocktail you build in your glass you do two ounces of the sliced apple rum Top it with three ounces of ginger beer. We are using Gosling's brand. It's the one with the little seal with the ball on his nose. You (laughs) you know what I'm talking about. It's like a gold can or whatever. There's a million other kinds of ginger beer. Don't feel like you have to have this one. If you don't like ginger beer, because it can be a little much for some people, ginger ale would work just as well. It would make it a little sweeter, not as tart, but you can't really go wrong. Um, so put two ounces of the rum, three ounces of the ginger beer over ice in your glass. We're just using a pint glass today. If you want to put it in a copper mug, feel free. If you don't, who cares? It's better for our visuals, for our videos and our pictures and stuff, if you can see what's in it. So we went with clear pint glasses. Um, and then what I did instead of squeezing lemon wedges in was just halved a lemon and squeezed half the juice in. I have this fancy little lemon press that I literally got for $2.99 at TJ Maxx <laughs> that I love. The gargantuan lemons barely fit in it, but still. Why are the lemons so large and in charge? Everything has been, like, humongous lately. Mm. At work, I cut a lot of fruit, and the lemons and limes have been about the same size as the oranges lately. Oh. Yeah, it's sort of alarming. Makes me oh. think that there's some things going on that oh. shouldn't be. I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure there is. <laughs> absolutely positive so that's it you don't have to shake this cocktail again shaking fizzy things is not something i recommend because they can potentially blow up in your face so just swirl it with your straw or your fancy bar spoon if you're fancy like that and just give it a try i think it's delicious it's so good it actually has like a green apple kind of flavor to it so I think that it does picture a green apple on the label. Yeah. I wonder if it's like a Granny Smith flavor. Probably. They don't really specify, but mm-hmm. I'm here for it. It's kind of got like apple pie vibes, mm-hmm. but not so much cinnamon. Yes. I like it. Ooh, I bet some cinnamon would be good in that. Ooh, cinnamon rim. Yeah. Ah. 
Perhaps mm. we'll revisit this string. We might have to. Maybe after we're done recording. <laughs> <laughs> yes, round two. All right, so now that we have our drinks and we've got all the things, let's get going. Our story begins way back in 1905. Nanny was born on November 4th in Blue Mountain, Alabama. She lived in a household of seven, which is way too many humans. I'm sure it was... I'm not saying they were poor, but perhaps they all lived in one room. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't even want to live by myself in one room Mm -mm. most days. I need more space than that. I need to be able to stretch (laughs) out. So she had one brother, three sisters, and her parents, Louisa and James. There are some sources that suspect that James wasn't her biological father, but nothing definitive as far as we could find. Uh, it seemed like it was kind of one of those rumors that stuck around. Right. And like Lord only knows, itself. in 1905, I'm going to assume record keeping was not, like, a super huge priority. Probably so. just not the best. <laughs> right. It seems as if they, like, kind of picked and chose when they were going to... Ain't that the truth? I get it. I'm forgetful. I get it, guys. Um, so, James was a controlling and abusive man to both his wife and children, her mother, as well as Nanny, hated him for what he put them through on a regular basis. I don't blame them. No. Father Dearest insisted that all the kids stay home and work on the family farm instead of going to school, so we're seeing some really great parenting from this guy. It's already starting out great. That's just already, you're serving, you're doing such a disservice to your kids by not allowing them an education. Right, especially a free education. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one day... When Nanny was seven, she had an accident while riding a train. Um, She was on her way to visit some family in southern Alabama when the train suddenly stopped. This caused Nanny to hit her head off of the metal bar in the seat in front of her, which I'm going to assume now everything's padded, but back then it was probably all just sharp edges and pointy things, you know? My God, yeah. (laughs) Um, This did cause a lot of damage. For years after this incident, she would suffer from severe headaches, blackouts, depression. She also had to deal with her controlling father, which obviously wasn't going to help any sort of recovery go smoothly. I can just picture it now. I know. Like, just all of the awfulness. And she was so, from everything I read, she was so excited to be on a train ride because that was a very special treat Uh, for them. They didn't often go places or do things, so riding a train, going out of town was, like, such a big deal. And then to have it end with something... (laughs) I mean, obviously, she didn't die, so it's not tragic, but, like, very upsetting, nonetheless. Yeah, a bummer for a seven-year-old, that's for fucking sure. I was sad just reading about it. Especially considering, like, her upbringing. So, like, the girls weren't even allowed to wear any kind of makeup. They couldn't wear any kind of what they described as attractive clothing, which I found kind of funny. Well, I would assume it's anything other than something sewn from, like, a feed bag. You know what I mean? I took that as not modest, pretty much. Like, things that are going to show off, you know, like, elbows, shoulders, knees, things that are really, really attractive on your ankles. Yeah. (laughs) Careful. Check it out. Watch out. (laughs) Ankles popping out. Danger, danger. Um, Their father explicitly forbade all of that. He was of the misguided belief that this would prevent his daughters from getting raped, which is a whole nother tangent that we don't even need to go down. Not even going to go there right now. For the record, Mr. James, not a thing. Um, He also did not allow the girls to do anything fun. So they didn't get to go to dances or any kind of social event. So they had to stay home from school. 
no dances, no social anything. Wearing hideous clothing. Like, what? <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> it really, it, and like in 1905, I can't imagine that there was a lot of entertainment in the first place. I'd assume it was like barn dances, you know what I mean? Like yeah. things with large groups of people. I just always imagine like ice cream socials and things like that when thinking. I don't of- <laughs> even know if they had that stuff in Alabama back then. This would have mm. been like the 20s, early 20s, yeah. teens. Who knows? Either way, nannies still figure out a way to get hers. Mm. According to some family members, she would still manage to sneak out and meet up with boys. Scandalous. See, nanny might have been a bit boy crazy as a teen, and this is kind of foreshadowing a Um, little bit into her later life. Boy crazy forever. Yeah. She was really into reading her mother's romance magazines, and she would daydream about her own future, which... Most girls do. Most humans do. Right. She took it to such an extreme, though, that she was, like, so absorbed into these magazines that that became, like, her reality, essentially. And these magazines included a Lonely Hearts column, which most of us, at least, like, our age, is going to remember, like, the whole, like, Dear Abby columns and things like that. Like, they were so popular. So that would... That's, I'm assuming, what this was. Right. Well, I think it was, like, the newspaper... You wrote in and said, I want to answer to James, and they'd give you his address or forward your letter on kind of thing. Like wanted ads, Mm -hmm. but for relationships. Yeah, like video dating, but without the videos. It's all letters and stuff. Either, Manny was like really into this. This is kind of the part that she like gravitated towards the most. Super focused, yes. So this brings us up to Nanny, age 16, already working her life away at a linen factory. This is where she meets Charlie Braggs, this lucky duck. Um, They work together and seem to really hit it off. So after dating for only four months, they got married in 1921 with her father's full stamp of approval. Uh, Nanny really thought she had hit the lottery here. Charlie was hardworking, dependable, and most importantly, he was sober. Mm -hmm. Because apparently, I guess her dad was not, so she was looking for the opposite of that in her perfect man. I mean, that would make sense. Uh, one thing about Charlie, though, uh, he was a mama's boy, like, super duper. Um, once they were married, he insisted that they bring his mother to come and live with them, and as a result, a lot of Charlie's attention was taken up by his mother, and not Nanny, which is a problem. Not good. Right? So not only was Nanny being neglected by her husband, but her mother-in-law also imposed restrictions on what she was and was not allowed to do. However, despite all these odds, um, the couple would go on to have four daughters between 1923 and 1927. You you heard that right. That's literally like one a year. She was just pregnant for like four years. five years, mm-hmm. basically. <laughs> oh, thank you. Um, however, for poor Nanny, motherhood seemed to sort of do her in um, because she began to drink and smoke quite frequently. That checks out. All of a sudden, out of nowhere. Motherhood is one of the biggest scams <laughs> in, like, okay. parenthood in general. They just, people are not honest about what women have to go through during pregnancy. If you look at Instagram, everything's rainbows and butterflies well, yeah. and beautiful. I'm like, mm, I don't think it works like that. It doesn't. Not from what I've heard from people I actually know. It just doesn't. I'm not saying that it can't be rewarding. I personally am not interested in finding out. But I couldn't imagine being pregnant for five years straight. And also... I'll be damned if I let anybody tell me what to do, let alone my mother-in-law. I love you, Lisa, but... 
I'd be like, you're when you're living under my roof, you have to live by my <laughs> roof. <laughs> like, what is that? So, like, this woman just comes into the situation, newly married, and she just and, starts dictating everything. She's very young. They got married in 1921, and she was 16. Like, yeah. come on, bros. No, no. This you is just a, a recipe child. for disaster. It was. It absolutely was. And Charlie and Nanny, they were absolutely miserable. Shocking. And they continued to drink and drown in their sorrow. Because apparently Charlie also picked up the bottle at some point. It sounds like they were absolutely fucking, like, toxic for one another. Like, even though there wasn't a lot of details about, like, the inner workings of their relationship. But it's pretty easy to see. Oh, yeah. To, like, read between the lines that... Everything I read, I was like, ooh, no. And that's just the surface details. Yeah. So I can only imagine what really went on. He, it. this is where it gets kind of wild. So they would constantly accuse accuse each other of cheating. And they were both correct. Ah, huh, that's the kicker. You know what they say about those projections and whatnot. Hell yeah. Um, Charlie would go as far as disappearing for days at a time. And he would give zero explanation when he would return which also would not fucking fly in my house hell no mark goes to the room i'm like where are you going (laughs) what are you doing better have an explanation for me like excuse me i did not no i'm just joking (laughs) i didn't give you permission (laughs) only slightly joking (laughs) well he's been on a strict watch lately so i had to yeah so all of this was going on, and then suddenly, in 1927, um, two of their middle daughters that they had, two of the four, passed away. And the COD, the cause of death, was believed to be food poisoning. Mm-hmm. And, like, that was all they gave us as far as details go? Like Apparently, back then, from what I've read, that happened a lot. Food poisoning? Because they didn't have adequate refrigeration Mm -hmm. or storing techniques for food, so people could eat something bad and not really know that it was bad until they were, like, keeled over. You know what I mean? That sadly happened a lot, even without the assistance here. But That makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. But you're right. They were very slim on the details. Like, I looked at several different sites and couldn't really find anything other than they thought it was food poisoning. (laughs) Heavy air quotes around. Right. So, not too long after this took place, Charlie actually scooped up their oldest daughter, Melvina, and he just took off. And this left Nanny to grieve alone with a newborn and her mother-in-law, because he just left her ma- his mom at her place. Who like, does that? No big deal. And uh, Nanny ended up taking a job at a cotton mill so she could support the family. Good for her, working girl. Gotta be, I guess. This is about where that enthusiasm for her, though. Right. <laughs> begins, that's it. That's begins it. to wane. Yes. Um, so, not too long after Charlie fled, his mother strangely passes away. She wasn't that old. She wasn't in that poor of health, but yeah. just kicked, kicked the bucket, if you will. Um, Charlie wound up coming back during the summer of 1928. However, he had friends with him. <laughs> Not only his daughter, Malvina, but he also had a divorcee and her child with him. So, mm-hmm. taking all of that news in hand, Nanny's like, you know what? They get a divorce. <laughs> Maybe we should just stop I this. mean, finally, though, yeah. really. Like, why make each other miserable even further? Mm-hmm. Very clearly, if he brought another woman with him, it, he meant it this time. He was like, definitely done definitely with it. Definitely <laughs> over it. 
Um, so somehow Nanny winds up gaining custody of both of her daughters, um, and she goes to live with her mother. So it doesn't seem like Charlie fought all that hard for anything. He basically just wanted to get away from her and be away from Nanny. He always would maintain after the fact that he left Nanny because he was frightened of her. Yeah. Not that I blame him. Well, and what's interesting is um, how all this happened. Like, I kind of wrote it in a way that, like, we don't know that she's poisoning all these people. Right. We don't know, heavy air quotes, that she's the cause of death. Because I just found it so fascinating that the sequence of events that took place took place without anybody even noticing and so like i kind of wrote it in a way that alludes to the fact so while we're, while you're listening guys like keep in mind like it doesn't come right out and say it but every time somebody dies in the story that's near nanny <laughs> she, she did she it she poisoned them she done that's it. the whole moral of the story so <laughs> you know and it's always in situations that like is easily explained or she'll leave the scene of the crime not too long after right. it happens. Like, it's just bananas to me. So, like, you know, mysteriously she gets left alone with her estranged ex-husband's mother. And then she just passes. She just right. passes away after he left right. with their kid. Well, Seems and like, suspicious. The two middle daughters that passed away, from everything that Charlie said, they were completely fine when he left to go to work yeah. that morning. Nanny was feeding him breakfast, and then next thing you know, they're just dead. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's like instances like this that we're going to continue seeing a pattern. So just kind of keep in mind. Right. While we're going through this, guys. So, husband number two Lord. is found a year later in 1929. She met a man named Robert franklin harrelson via a lonely hearts column the two would write love letters to one another and nanny often included racy pictures of herself scandalous i mean it's typical of people with that kind of upbringing i feel you yeah. either go one way or the other you either continue to stay super sheltered or you just completely rebel against it. Right. And I think it's obvious which way. <laughs> well, she's obviously still young at this point. She's 24. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? Oh, like, for that's sure. That's still young enough to be exploring Time things. of your life. I guess. I mean, when the <laughs> life expectancy is like, what? Like 50? 55, 60? I don't know. I'm probably factually wrong. But it's it was not, not super it long. It's not old, yes. <laughs> so, um... These two exchanged all these letters and pictures and, you know, basically sexting without the cell phones. And they married the same year that they met, and they lived in Jacksonville, Florida. The honeymoon bubble bursts a few months into their marriage, as one does. Nanny finds out that Robert is not only an alcoholic, but that he has a criminal record for assault. Ooh. Oof. Right. That's not good in Nanny's book. You're not supposed no. to be a drinker, a criminal, a womanizer. Well, so, in that he ooh, left, like, she obviously does not appear to have been told before their nuptials. Well, seems like she's they been, met, exchanged a few letters, and called it good. So. She's like, here's my <laughs> naked pictures. Do you like right. what you see? Okay, great. Let's Check get yes married. or no. Let's do it. <laughs> Do you like me? <laughs> right. That's how I envision, like, Lonely Hearts letters oh. happening. <laughs> like, you want to hook up? Yay or nay? <laughs> Literally, the original Tinder. This, ooh, 
seriously. <laughs> Despite this uh, revelation of sorts, the couple stays married for 16 years. So, which just boggles my which mind. Which is a lifetime. <laughs> right. I, I, That's like, crazy. For somebody you don't even like from the get-go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Questionable. So let's fast forward a little. Here we are, 1943. The happy, quote-unquote, family welcomes <laughs> a grandchild. Um, Malvina gives birth to a baby boy named Robert Lee Haynes. Two years later, Malvina goes on to have another baby. Um, so Nanny, being the loving grandma that she is, <laughs> visits them in the hospital. And this is, again, shit gets weird. Right. So back then... When you went in to have labor or deliver a baby, they would just knock you out mm-hmm. and do whatever they needed to do to make the baby thing happen. <laughs> so yeah. if it involved, they'd give you, you know, gas to put you out or whatever. So Malvina was kind of like, we like sort of woozy from either the, the drugs or the labor itself or whatever. But she really thought she saw, she thought she saw her mother take a hat pin and stick it into her newborn baby's head. Right? Like, what a weird, what a weird What thing. a weird thing for your brain to make up. Yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> but she's like, oh, I'm just tired, the drugs, der 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 whatever. Maybe there's I no just way. imagined Yeah, it, there's right? no way I saw what I think what I saw. What I thought I saw. Like, my mom is not hurting my baby. She would never do she that. She would never. Unfortunately. Dun, dun, dun. Not long after birth, baby number two died mysteriously. Hmm. Um, Doctors were not able to give any sort of explanation as to what had happened. Malvina actually learned about her baby's passing from her sister and her husband, and she asked them to clarify what had happened. They were all able to tell her, all that they were able to tell her was that they were told the baby was dead by Nanny and that she was holding a hat pin. Yeah. So weird, right? The fuck? I also found it really like I had to reread that part several times and I actually backtracked to like your research a little bit just because I was like there's just no there's just no way <laughs> but that's exactly how it appears to have gone down like how does this, a doctor not get involved like I'm just so curious because back then I feel like they were like here's your baby ma'am okay bye and went on to go smoke yeah. cigarettes in their <laughs> office with their feet up you know what fair. I mean I don't know and I'm not saying they weren't great doctors yeah. it's just there was less was the time less follow through back yeah. then it was like okay the baby's fine see you later bye and again i took child development classes in college it's a wonder to me that any child comes into this world unscathed completely because so many things can go wrong so oh, i'm yeah. sure they just chalked it up to something happened during delivery or you know mm-hmm. what i mean the yeah. baby had a deformity that they didn't know about inside or that makes a lot of fill sense in the blanks whatever it just seems so odd it's just a, an odd situation. But again, it was the 40s. Women weren't supposed to be like, excuse me, I would li- I have more questions for you. Yeah. They were supposed to just go home and be sad and then work on having more babies. I just have, like, <laughs> a dark picture in my head of this, like, older woman smiling, like, Joker style from ear to ear, like, menacingly holding a hat pin. I'm sure it was some <laughs> like, sort of big crazy hat with fake flowers on it. Something, that she had to yeah. pull. Because hat pins are terrifying. It's meant they're to, really, like, aren't they long? They're pretty long, yeah. That's what I and thought. pointy. They're meant to, like, hold your hat and all your stuff and things together. There's a lot going on there. <laughs> oh, man. After suffering this loss, 
Melvina started drifting apart from her husband, which is natural. Things like that always happen. And she began seriously, though. Well, and, you know, she probably wrestles with the fact every single day that, did I see what I saw? Right. Like, that would drive me fucking nuts. Absolutely. I overthink and overanalyze everything. And, like, I could only imagine something with, like, this severe consequences happening. Like, I wouldn't be able to let it go. So, Melvina is suffering, and so her and her husband are just not getting along, and she starts to date other men. She started dating a soldier, specifically, and Nanny did not approve of this relationship, and the two women fought, like, crazy over this. I feel like Nanny doesn't have a leg to stand on in this argument. She has <laughs> zero leg to stand on. Her track record with men, not so great. So bad, yeah. Not great. Even at this point, it's two, but still. That's all you need. Um, Melvina decides to go on a little trip. She wants to visit her dad, and she left her son Robert in Nanny's care, Girl. which I found odd in the first place because it like does your grand does he not want to see his grandson? That or maybe they were still poor and yeah. train tickets ain't cheap, and you know who knows. Or maybe she just was like, you know what, I need a I little need a motherfucking break. Okay, that's bye. Okay too. So they had they being Nanny and Melvina had like a nasty argument right before she left she left for the trip and uh while she was gone you guys robert died mysteriously of course the cod being called as asphyxia from unknown causes hmm weird so that's suspicious odd. i would think two months later nanny got a payout to the tune of 500 dollars. this bitch turns out that she took she had taken out an insurance policy on her grandson Two months prior to his death. Hmm. So that also, you know, not great. I have some questions. The optics <laughs> are weird. Right. The timing is bad. Um, so in the background of all of this loss and suffering for this poor family, um, Nanny and Robert are still very much in their marriage. Keep in mind, it keeps going for 16 years, like limping along. Things are not great. They never were. No. They never would be. Uh, so in September of 1945, while the world is celebrating the Japanese surrender to the Allies for, you know, the ending of World War II, Robert goes on, gets wasted, and then proceeds to sexually assault his wife. This is the proverbial straw that broke Nanny's back. She was like, I have had enough. Fuck this motherfucker. No more. I'm out. Instead of just leaving... However, um, presumably while she's plotting, she finds her husband's uh, jar of corn whiskey buried in her rose garden. Which mm. also probably pissed her off more. Like, oh, oh, for sure. And now you're hiding shit in my rose garden? What the fuck, dude? Right. Mm. She's already pissed off at you, bro. Right. Why tempt fate here? Not good. So this little light bulb goes off in Nanny's brain. She proceeds to top off that corn whiskey with none other than rat poison. Mm. (laughs) That evening, weirdly, her husband dies. I'm going to assume he was hitting the jar out in the garden, which just is weird to me. Right. Whatever. Blows your hair back. Um, Robert had a life insurance policy, which Nanny promptly collects. And with that money, she actually buys her own plot of land and a home in Jacksonville. So weird, isn't it, guys? Mm, so much money already. Hmm. It didn't specify how much her husband's was worth, but it's enough to buy a plot of land and a house. Like, okay. Right. It's 
got to be some dollars there. For sure. So Nanny doesn't like to stay single. Ever. For mm-hmm. five minutes. Not even a little bit. So she was combing through the Lonely Hearts column, and she was looking for husband number three. And she finds him while traveling in North Carolina. They meet in three days later. Days. Three days. Three days later. Mm. They get married. What? She's got great taste in men, so there's probably absolutely nothing wrong with this, right? <laughs> like, I'm not none at seeing all. <laughs> anything at all that could go wrong. Turns out, Nanny really does have a type, because Arlie Lanning, the man who she married, is also an alcoholic and a womanizer. Shocking. Like, uh, it's so frustrating, because it's one of those things where you just want to, like, yell and scream, like, girl, why don't you see what's happening? But, right. I mean, we're not in it, so we can't speak to that, but... Holy crap, lady. So, things are a bit different this time around, though. So, the script gets flipped. Instead of the husband dipping out all the time, it's Nanny who would often disappear, sometimes being gone for months at a time. I feel like I would have some questions. Again, you're going into the other room, and I'm like, where the fuck are you right. going? I went and grabbed the keys and I was like, I'll be right back. I had to go run and grab something out of the car. Mark's like, where are you going? Like, like where? <laughs> I'm not ready to go anywhere with you. You can't possibly be leaving the house. Right? Um, when she was at home, though, Nanny played the part of doting wife very well. And she was a very well-respected member of the local Methodist church. It seemed as if the people in the town pitied Nanny jokes on them her husband's antics were very like common knowledge everyone knew that he would spend a lot of time with the sex workers and that the rest of his time was spent sleeping off his recent fender in basically their version of a drunk tank i would just see cinder blocks and like some bars and that's Mm -hmm. it like a room well especially if he was like the town drunk essentially that's what the vibes i'm getting right that like Oh, there's there's Arlie getting wasted in the Drunk bar again. Them, right. Like, oh no, Nanny's got to come collect him. So eventually, he also passes away. Weird. The COD was heart failure, which wasn't surprising to the townsfolk. And this is kind of what I meant by like the circumstances surrounding everything just really played to Nanny's favor. Absolutely. Nobody even thought to ask a question in this Not instance. Not even a little bit. Like, she had so much support from her community at the funeral. And Nanny finds out right after this. This is... Ooh. This was not great for her. She finds out right after this that the home she shared with Arlie was left to his sister in his will. That had to hurt. So, could you imagine? Her pocketbook. Not her heart. Yeah. Her pocketbook. She doesn't give a shit. Not even a little not bit. Not even a little bit. <laughs> So, Nanny, and I found this hilarious when I was reading all of your research. She literally packed up her television and, like, maybe the clothes that she wears. Because I feel (laughs) as though she took, like, the romance novels from her youth and switched it to, like, crappy TV and was Mm -hmm. like, this is now my obsession. The Lonely Hearts columns and my crappy soaps on TV. This is my reality. This is me now. This is me now. (laughs) Um... So, she packs up the TV, and she heads to Arlie's elderly mother's home. So, her most recent mother-in-law. I like most recent, because you do have to specify. (laughs) There's several husbands. One is dead, and who knows where the other one is. (laughs) Soon after, well, technically, two are dead now. Mm. Soon after her arrival, 
the home that she had just left burns down. What are the odds? So In Nanny's case, one in five. Very, apparently. very high. <laughs> Nanny gets given the insurance check, and this chick illegally cashes it. Right after the fire, Arlie's mother died in her sleep. And I say that with heavy sarcasm and air quotes. Once again, Nanny packs up her good old television, and she gets the heck out of North Carolina. She's like, I gotta get my TV, gotta get my romance novels, gotta get the fuck out of here. Right, and take all that money and run, girl. Bye. So after this, Nanny has a direct route in mind. She heads right to her sister's home back back down home in Alabama. Um, her sister Dovey was bedridden at the time that Nanny arrived. Um, however, she did not live too much longer after Nanny's arrival. She passed away pretty soon afterwards. Yeah, like almost immediately. Immediately, basically. <laughs> um, obviously, not seeming to give any shits about her sister's death, she joins a new dating service called the Diamond Circle Club. Oh, this part had me dying. So this one is one that you pay for, or you pay into. So she paid $15, and she got to meet a man from Jamestown, North Carolina, named Richard L. Morton. Richard was a handsome man who was well-to-do and treated Nanny fairly well for all intents and purposes. Um, he wasn't an alcoholic. He was, however, very much a cheater. Mm-hmm. Despite all these facts, the couple proceeds on down the wedding aisle in 1952. Um, the next year, in January, Nanny's mother, Louisa, comes to live with the newlyweds. However... As, as if you haven't caught in the pattern yet, you're never going to get it. Um, her mother passes away the same month. Mm-hmm. Yeah, With just like just like that. Weird. And, and then not too long after that, just a couple months after that fact, Nanny's fourth husband suffers the same fate. Again, cause of death unknown. I just don't... How is but nobody not suspicious at all? Like, how is nobody noticing this woman is basically like the Grim Reaper at this point? Like, that was like four deaths in like two years. Like I don't. People are just dropping left, right, and sideways around this woman. At this point, we're getting into the 1950s. It's not right. like we're like uncivilized. Like there's not things that. Well, and she's are in not place in the middle this. of nowhere. She's in North Carolina. She's in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Like this isn't like hillbilly country this right. is like actual cities here it's in it's just insane to me it's crazy she just gets away with so much and so she just moves on you guys to yeah, husband, as one would do to husband number five number five though i can't that's too much work even to have to like look for the men and date the men well she, she doesn't look very hard <laughs> or date them very long so i guess just cut out all the work and get right to being She's a like, wife and like you i pick you okay. so the man she picked this time around was samuel doss he was from tulsa oklahoma and he was a nazarene minister which will be an issue later very much so <laughs> he did not have any family after losing them to a tornado in Arkansas, so pretty much ripe for the pickings as I far just, as Nanny's concerned. I just envision like um, Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob with like dollar signs for his eyeballs. <laughs> That's what I envision like, Nanny seeing in her head. I just hit the jackpot. Hell yeah! So the couple dated briefly, and of they course. tied the knot in June of 1953. 
just one month after her last husband passed away. So he's barely cold in the ground. He's not even. It's <laughs> it's down. It's in Oklahoma or Arkansas or wherever. Shit, it's hot down there. Yeah. It's probably still warm. Goddamn, girl. No time has passed at all. Mm. Um, so, you guys, it turns out that Sam had a big problem with the fact that his wife adored all those romance stories. Ooh. He staunchly disapproved of them. Like, hated them and he i think went so far as to be like you can't Mm -hmm. listen to the radio or watch your television or read these stories like you need to do a more have a more proper outlet for your time he was a a minister of what seemed to be from my like google search a somewhat strict religious sect i mean i've heard of nazarene i don't know anything about it but it's just like a surface thing i didn't he has his morals, and she... <laughs> they did not... That's Apparently, the, they didn't have time to discuss this before no. running down, the, sprinting down the wedding uh, the aisle. Like all of this know. would have been solved if they would have just had a communication. Seriously, for like five minutes. So, she is like really upset at this fact. And I mean, because from what we know... Her romance novels and shows and stories, that was, like, her life. Yeah. That was her outlet. That was, that was her hobby, her whatever, if you will. Uh, all her free time was spent with that. I totally understand enjoying a good romance novel. I myself enjoy them as well. However, you can't... Did you know, actually, there was a study done that showed that romance novels can be extremely detrimental to relationships? Mm, I can see because that. they can... Uh, imprint unrealistic expectations mm-hmm. onto what a relationship should look like. So if that happens, like, now, mm-hmm. I can only imagine what it was like back then. Oh, for sure. When you didn't have your cell phone and your computer and mm-hmm. television and streaming services and all these things shouting stuff at you. Also, just as a side note with romance novels, <laughs> <laughs> my friend sent me a picture. I don't know what bookstore he was at but there's a whole subgenre of amish romance mm. novels because it was all amish or mennonite women on the covers so there? no undressed men on the covers like i was <laughs> i was like where i think it was at barnes and noble there's y'all. a flavor it up. for everybody it's kind of oh, like the porn industry so like to me though like especially now that with amazon you can like self-publish and like do all of those True. kinds of things like the amount of, and I say weird in a non-judgmental way because you like what you like and I don't give a shit. It's as just weird for me anybody, because but like, it's not my, yeah. I don't understand like, it. There's just super weird things that people are into. There's a whole like, just rack of Amish things though. I don't know. I have a lot of questions. I just well, want to I mean, go to see Amish them to read wanna, what they're about. Yeah. Because if it's about converting Amish women to, like, our society, yeah. don't do it. I don't want to read that <laughs> Leave shit. them alone. Let them churn their butter and have all their babies. Or, I mean, let them leave on their own. But don't interfere. Yeah, seriously. They're... Anyways. Everybody weird, already knows weird how I side feel. topic. <laughs> <laughs> so, Samuel, um, he, unfortunately, in 1954, got admitted to the hospital. He had flu-like symptoms, but is further, but isn't really further diagnosed. Or no, he is. Sorry, I misread. In this <laughs> instance, they are like, "Wow, we actually know that something is going wrong right. here, and we know this what it is." Was like treated as if like an 
isolated incident. So he had a severe digestive tract infection. He got treated and he went home on October 5th, 1954. One week later, Mm. he just suddenly died. That's so weird. It's almost like... Right? Hmm. So this time around, Samuel's doctor was on top of it. So Fucking he was, finally. <laughs> this is what I've been saying. Dear God. <laughs> Samuel's doctor was suspicious of Nanny during his, amish, his initial month-long stay. But with no proof, he kind of just kept it to himself because, like, you can't just, like, throw out those accusations and all that stuff. But he kept watching because this man is a smart person. Right. And now that Samuel is dead, he's even more suspicious. So he ordered an autopsy, and Nanny actually agreed with the doctor's call, and she signed off on it. So she obviously was not concerned. She said, I'm... I don't know if it's in here or not, but she was like, oh, well, I wouldn't want anybody else to catch what he caught. And I was Mm -hmm. like... (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poisoning? <laughs> what? Yeah, but how does that work, lady? <laughs> the coroner performs the autopsy and finds an absurd amount of arsenic in Samuel's system. The arsenic is a bitch, y'all. So once they finally get this cause of death, Nanny's quickly arrested, and thank goodness because this bitch already had husband <laughs> number six on the on the docks. He <laughs> was like really ready did. to roll. Um, This man, 60-year-old John Keel, was exchanging letters back and forth with Nanny for a hot minute before she was arrested. So I'm thinking, like, not that long, even probably before her husband was dead, she was already like, do-do-do, let's converse, maybe meet She probably started reaching out when Samuel initially got sick. Like the first hospital stay? Expecting him to not get better, and Mm. that's probably how things kind of spiraled from there. Mm. If I had to make an assumption... Well, that would be my guess. If they're exchanging multiple letters, it had to have started sooner. Yeah. Just doesn't, saying. That doesn't happen very quickly. However, this man is, for his sake, the luckiest man in the whole world. He actually <laughs> said to investigators, quote, I'm mighty proud I didn't meet her and she didn't come down here. From now on, I'm through with these women who make their matches by mail. And <laughs> I love it. <laughs> that just made me like, do, 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 do. I'm sure he was, you know, mm-hmm. just living his best life, trying to meet some ladies. And next thing you know, he's like, this bitch is arrested it for killing her husband. <laughs> Could what? you imagine? This made me think of that episode of the Golden Girls where um, they send out, they make like a wanted ad, essentially, where it's supposed to be like, for something oh, completely innocuous, but they misunderstand. For, it's for Dorothy to do like odd jobs or yes. extra cleaning or tutoring. But they think it's be- but for Ro- like sexy yep, things. Rose puts it in the, the like heart to heart column or whatever. Oh my <laughs> yeah. god, mm-hmm. that's, that's that's what this made me think of. When like. Rose or who was it? It was Blanche comes in and she's like, "There's a busload of Greek sailors <laughs> asking me how much ten dollars is for drachma or whatever yeah. their coins are." I was, oh my god, that's such a good episode. Yeah, it's one of my faves. For I sure. love it. But yeah, so in essence, that's what this was. It mm-hmm. was basically like a singles column, but you could interact directly through letters or whatever interesting and terrifying to me well yeah (laughs) although i suppose that's the same thing as like pick one of the dating apps no exactly i mean it's just instantaneous rather than through the u.s postal service it's the exact same thing you can hide who you are the same exact way like you can can lie lie, you can pictures do Hmm. all of the things it just took a little bit more work i think back then now it's just so easy to Google search an image of a person or right. just steal people's Instagram photos and like all there's a whole television show about it. Seriously. Whole Aww. thing. I refuse to watch it because I don't like it. 
It was my guilty pleasure for like a hot minute. But again, I mean, you guys are figuring this no out. Judgments. I'm fascinated by the way people's brain works, and I like to watch these kinds of things because, like, I'm curious about the why behind it. Um, it is really sad, though, and it got really hard to watch there for a while. Yeah. Because a lot of people were really fucked up in their reasons for doing it, but there was other people who, like, genuinely wanted to make a connection and didn't think they could, which makes you sad. That's nobody. Sad. You know I was like, I mean? oh no, that's also sad. Yeah. So I mean, while you, it's one of those things like you lied and you're shitty for doing that, but like, I, I'm sad for you now. Mm. There was never really a happy ending on that show, which is like makes it hard to watch. I think over time, right? Because it's not a good thing. Catfishing is bad. What's the moral of the story? Moral today? of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Nanny tries to deny her culpability upon arrest. She even denied knowing who Richard Morton was at all, which I find hilarious. hilarious. <laughs> any search of any records would be like, that was your husband. Like you were literally married to this okay, man. Right. But, all right, lady. Law enforcement had a hell of a time getting Nanny to even talk to them, like, at all. She was deeply enthralled by one of her romance magazines, and she had to be asked several times to put it down. Almost like a little kid, yeah. from what I read. Like, she was, like, flirting and being acting like a schoolgirl, in essence. So she was like, what? I didn't even hear what you said. Ah, ha, 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 type yeah. of thing. Like, Super weird. That Super. would be infuriating. Well, yeah, could you imagine as, like, an investigator? I couldn't... With a 50-year-old woman, I'd be like, ma'am. Ma'am. <laughs> Excuse me, madam. <laughs> right? Nanny does eventually confess to killing her several many husbands. Regarding mm. Richard, she told investigators, quote, Well, I guess I wasn't telling the truth. I was married to him. <laughs> like, giggling incessantly. Constantly. They said she giggled throughout, like, all of their all of discussions, it. all of the court proceedings. She everything. was having a really great time during all of this. I feel like she was finally the center of attention. So, well, and yeah. To a degree. And that seems to be, like, her thing with everything. Like, she seemed so overjoyed to be talking about the ways in which she took her husbands out. She would claim that she only killed those that she deemed deserving of it. So, like, some vigilante... Yeah, but explain to me the children right. and the mothers-in-law and your sick, incapacitated well, sister. I don't think she has any, at least at this point in the story, yeah. she has no intention of talking about those things. Mm. I think she, her plan, and I yeah, think the I only thing she... myself, but I get filled with rage about Well, I don't even know that she ever really, like, 100% confessed to it. Hmm. Hmm. Because initially when she's arrested, she does deny killing any members of her family, which was a lot of them. Mm -hmm. um, since she was a proven liar, however, authorities had an examination of her mother and her sister Dovey's bodies done. The results listed that both women, again, had an obscene amount of arsenic in their systems. So weird. Shocking. So now that police knew without a doubt that she was guilty, Nanny really started sort of divulging, like, some key tidbits here. Um, she did seem to take a weird amount of joy in reliving all the details of each person or husband's death. She would laugh and giggle while take talking to police and would often show severe lack of compassion. Um, so for any normal person, obviously <laughs> all of the policemen were like, Ugh. it was extremely off-putting for all the people that had to deal with her, but she just seemed to be like, loving it. Literally all of the pictures. She like, is smiling ear to ear, like, it, almost like you said, like the Joker. Like, yeah. It's almost like. 
It's creepy. It's I one of those know. things where, um, sh- like, normally people have, like, dead eyes, and you can tell that they're, like, something off. This is, like, know. the opposite. She's like, wee! Yeah. <laughs> Um, so by the time it was all said and done, Nanny confessed to the deaths of her four husbands, her mother, one of her mothers-in-law, her sister, and her grandson. So that's leaving out what? One mother-in-law and the baby. But still, mm-hmm. I'm going to assume she did those two. Well, yeah. I'm just I'm just making that assumption for us. I think <laughs> it's safe to say, based on Both the Both of the mothers-in-law and her mother and her sister and two grandchildren and four husbands. If somebody died around this lady, I'm, I'm calling it her. I, <laughs> I would bet it was just her, like, yep. I would be willing to put money on it. Yep. She done it. So she was later prosecuted by a man named Jay... Howard Edmondson, and he eventually became the governor to the state of Oklahoma, so he was kind of a big deal. Well, and obviously he had aspirations, so I'm going to assume he wasn't going to take no for an answer Absolutely in this not. instance. None of that. So throughout the process, Nanny had to undergo examinations done by four different psychiatrists. They all, all of them, unanimously believed that Nanny was sane enough to withstand trial, which really is saying something, consider she's poisoned Several, several people. Right. Many, many people. Um, so the whole thing didn't last super long. On May 17th, 1955, Nanny Doss pled guilty to Samuel's murder. His death was the only one that the state decided to prosecute, despite having Nanny on record giggling her way through all of her confessions. Nanny was sentenced to life in prison, the state foregoing the death penalty due to her being a woman, Uh, which is stupid. This lady deserved it. What, like, I feel like, if anything, like, her being a woman is even more of a reason to want to impose the death penalty in this situation. She's obviously great at, like, manipulating men into marrying her Mm -hmm. and then killing them the second they don't serve a purpose well and i feel as though back then they were like fire up old sparky let's talk about it later you know what i mean like there were people that were put to death for far less than seven murders you know what i mean well and this took place in like the midwest slash south area so i'm i was really surprised honestly i think they took on their we're gunning for everybody sort of thing a little bit later yeah Ten years later, Nanny does die while in custody. She suffered from leukemia, which ultimately took her life. Unfortunately. I mean... For no one. (laughs) (laughs) There was a shot that I saw. It was a photograph that ran in a newspaper, and it was Nanny grinning, of course, outside of court with her daughter and one of her daughters and some grandchildren around her, and I was just like... Get away from her. How do you <laughs> What if she has arsenic or hat pin handy? <laughs> like, oh my God, get She's away. She's just like throwing arsenic at people at this point. Like, I just have some real concern. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't put anything, I don't know how you could be supportive of that person anymore. I would be scared. You Literally. killed my baby with a hat pin? And it could have been the other daughter for all we know. It didn't specify, but I was like, oh. I still have so many questions. (laughs) Um, So, all in all, Nanny did get what she deserved. She had to be locked up for a little bit, at least. Um, When they asked her why she did all this, she answered with, quote, 
I was searching for the perfect mate, the real romance in life, end mm-hmm. quote. So again, the imprint of the romance novels and radio shows and all that sort of went right to her brain and was like, oh, well, yeah. if he's not perfect, then we are we can't be together. Uh, she did go on to talk about her how her romance novels affected her psyche and that all of her husbands had let her down in some way, which is true. She was mm-hmm. married to drunks, criminals, and serial cheaters. Samuel, however, on paper seemed perfectly fine to me, at least. I immediately buck against anybody trying to tell me what to do. Yeah, but at least he wasn't (laughs) drinking and whoring and disappearing. Wasn't he a cheater? Didn't it say? I don't think he was. He Mm, might have. Maybe not. I don't know. Anyways. (laughs) Not like everybody else, at least. Um, Samuel's fatal mistake, according to Nanny, was that he tried to tell her that she couldn't read her beloved romance novels anymore that she should only read educational materials. <laughs> he also, according to Nanny, so take it with a grain of salt, he wouldn't let her watch her favorite TV shows or turn the fan on during the hot summer nights. She just wasn't having any of this. <laughs> so this bitch poisoned his prunes, which if I could think of a worse way to go, I don't know. Poison <laughs> arsenic and prunes. prunes. Whew. One article I read actually had like a, a prune cake or something. Stop it. I mean, without arsenic, but it was the whole recipe. I was like, ooh, ooh. No, thank you. Nope. Um, she quickly cashed in after his death the two inch, two, not one, but two insurance policies that she had taken out on him during their short, short marriage. <laughs> and the funny thing is, is that it didn't even appear as if money was Nanny's main motivators of murder. The money was nice, but she was mostly pushed by marital boredom. Boredom. And, of course, the hope that she could find her ideal mate. When one of her husbands became too much and she didn't want to deal with it anymore, basically, she would just kill him and keep it pushing. None of her husbands were especially healthy. Most of them were alcoholics, so there wasn't much suspicion from authorities and doctors. Samuel was the exception. He took great care of himself and was in decent health, and it didn't make sense to his doctor that he would decline to death so rapidly. Right. Especially after he recovered after a month-long right. stay. Like, just being treated for all of that. He should have been in... How a- strange. Mm-hmm. So, the authorities obviously suspect Nanny of killing up to 12 people, blood-related family members to be specific, but she only confessed to the seven that we already talked about. She did... This goes back to childhood... She blamed her behavior on the head injury from the train that she suffered when she was a child, which might could be. It could have just knocked her cuckoo. You know what I mean? We don't know. I definitely think that the idea has merit. I mean, like, I... To a degree. I totally do believe that when you experience traumatic events, no matter what kind of trauma that is, it has the ability to physically change the makeup of your brain. So, like, it's quite possible that that is what happened to her. But that still doesn't remove any culpability from the choices that she made. From seven to twelve deaths like, at her hands. Especially when you've been you've been examined by four different psychiatrists. Who say you're sane. Yeah. For all intents So, I mean, purposes. it just is like, is this, it's likely just an excuse she's right. trying to use. Others, like us, for example, <laughs> think that she was fully aware of what she was doing. Um, those who knew her spoke out against the notion that she would tell authorities that she had a mean they would tell her authorities that she had a mean streak basically anybody i mean even her own ex-husband the one that managed to survive the one that was scared of her like he it makes sense 
looking back, like, why he was so just, I went out of the marriage. Right. I'm going to run away and find somebody else. <laughs> like, new family. So, as we mentioned before, Nanny had a habit of smiling and laughing while confessing. She kept that smile on her face literally the entire time. She discussed the deaths of those she claimed to love. That's what really gets me, is that a lot of these murders were, like, all of these murders were people that she should have cared about. Or said she cared about, but I'm like, "Mm, I don't know. And as if this wasn't bad enough, like Sue said, she had a reputation for flirting with law enforcement throughout the entire trial process and her subsequent sentence. Thanks to all of her nonsensical behavior, she was given a few monikers over over time. So she's got the giggling granny, Oklahoma's jolly widow, the original Black Widow, and then the Grinning Granny. I like Grinning Granny. I really liked Oklahoma's Jolly Widow. But well, that, I was like, only the one murder happened in Oklahoma. Yeah. But I guess that's the one she was sentenced to prison for, so. Well, and also, too, like, other, like, localities probably ran different articles and called her different names right. accordingly. True. Like, I, that's, like, kind of what I pictured, like, one newspaper said this and the other newspaper said that right and it all just stuck over time well and back then there wasn't like the ap wire it was like let me get on the horn and you know what i mean right. like call it in or you had to drive to oklahoma to get the story right exactly. there was no easy way to get <laughs> you your news google some shit can't just go on facebook and hit the news tab <laughs> um so Obviously, Nanny poisoned everybody. Uh, she did prefer rat poison above all else, mm-hmm. which, to me, I was like, well, for one, why is rat poison so... Poisonous? Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just curious. Yeah. So that made me curious about what exactly arsenic is and what happens to your body when you ingest it, because obviously nobody's like, mm, rat poison. Right. Even the rats are sort of questionable about it. <laughs> Um, So before we wrap things up for the day, we're just going to, like, dive into arsenic real quick, because you know you want it. Um, You guys should probably know, at this stage in the game, if you've been listening to us for a hot minute, if there's something I don't know, I'm going to learn about it, and then I feel the need to share those facts. And also, we like weird stuff. I don't know. This was very interesting. It's just curious. And I liked that you added it. Once I started reading about it, I was like, huh. This shit's all over the place. Or you know. Right, basically. <laughs> yep, there's a rainbow behind us right now. You just don't know it. So there are two types of exposure with arsenic poisoning. Brief exposure is where most or all of Nanny's victims would fall, and then there's long-term exposure. So the initial symptoms of any sort of arsenic poisoning are headaches, confusion, severe diarrhea, and drowsiness, which that could be food poisoning or, you know what I mean, be. any of those things. I'm also just confused and have headaches a lot of the time as, like, my general, like, base. Right. So, there's that. So, you never know. Hopefully, it's not arsenic, Mark. <laughs> we um, discussed this last right. time. <laughs> so, brief exposure symptoms include, in addition to the original four, vomiting, abdominal pain, encephalopathy, which is basically any disease or wow. disorder of the brain. That was impressive. I'm, I feel like I watched enough. Grey's Anatomy that that came up That's once or fair. 12 times. Um, and then not only would you have severe diarrhea, but it can also be watery and filled with blood. Yuck. Which makes me want to vomit just thinking about mm-hmm. it. Um, long-term exposure, however, so it's like, I feel like if you're around it a lot or you're just ingesting small bits of it, 
would include thickening of the skin, darker colored skin, abdominal pain, diarrhea still, heart disease, numbness. It didn't specify, it just said numbness, but I'm assuming like your extremities maybe? Yeah. Like fingers and I would toes assume and that stuff also. like that. I could be wrong. And in some cases it could even cause cancer. That sounds about right. Right? Well, I mean, it is a poison. I get it, but dear <laughs> Lord. Well, it's just, it's crazy because it directly affects so many parts of the body. So arsenic poisoning directly affects the lungs, skin, kidneys, and the liver. So like pretty much outside of your heart, like all of your major <laughs> bodily functions, the result is a coma and or death. This can be measured by, so the amount of, this was really interesting, the amount of arsenic in somebody's body can be measured in a couple different ways. So they can test the blood, urine, hair, or fingernails. I heard, I read it was like lines on your fingernails, like, um, or like whitening or thickening of your fingernails in a certain spot. Interesting. So it's like if you came in contact with arsenic, survived it, your nails grew out, it would be like a big lumpy ridge that was like white. Okay, that would make sense because Mm -hmm. it says that urine tests are the most reliable when you test within like the first 24 hours of your possible exposure, Mm -hmm. but you can test the hair or fingernails to measure how much exposure someone had in the previous six months to a year. So that's really interesting. Because I've heard you can do, I had a manager once who had to do a drug test for something (laughs) and they for whatever reason couldn't take blood or i don't know what the circumstance was maybe they wanted to see if he had been using for a longer period of time interesting so they wanted to do a hair test but mm -hmm. he was bald (laughs) oh so they had to take a chest hair oh no yeah he was like you talk about uncomfortable she was like all up in his chest hair ripping hairs out i was like oh no no thanks So back in the day, obviously we're talking about this case ended in the 50s, but started way earlier than that. Arsenic had a lot of uses back then because people were like, "Mm, mildly mildly toxic, but also it helps me, so whatever. Well, it's like, what, asbestos? Mm -hmm. That was like in insulation everywhere. In every every old building. Every single, like, I think it's just one of those things where over time we figure out (laughs) this is actually really bad. Right. (laughs) So it was a staple in traditional Chinese medicine being used in a compound used to treat syphilis before penicillin was discovered, because I feel as though they'd try anything to cure that back then. (laughs) Um, It was also a key ingredient in many, I say, tonics with heavy air quotes around it. Um, During the Elizabethan era, women would use a combo of vinegar, chalk, and arsenic to whiten their skin. No, thank you. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, people. <laughs> well, because back then, apparently, if you had pale skin and you were fat, that meant you ate well and you stayed out of the sunshine, so you were not a laborer. Mm-hmm. So they knew you were of, like, a higher class. So if you were, for some reason, tanned and wanted to whiten your skin, you could just slap on some vinegar, chalk, and arsenic. It's just man. And call it good to go. That's insane. Allegedly, this concoction prevented aging and the creasing of the skin. However... Obviously, now we know this is not a good idea because some arsenic could be absorbed through your skin. Mm -hmm. You know, it's porous and whatnot. Um, However, in the U.S., uh, again, quote, arsenic complexion wafers, end quote. (laughs) These were a huge hit during the Victorian era. They allegedly removed moles and pimples from your skin. I envision those, like, jars of, like, makeup remover Mm -hmm. wipes, like the circle pads. Yeah. And just accept it's arsenic. Yep. 
So you're not only touching it, you're putting it near your eyes, your nose, and your mouth. Like, what? What is wrong with you people? I just don't... We didn't know. I know. I understand. know. You know, it's actually really interesting because I just watched a really interesting YouTube video um, of a, a woman discussing all the shit that happened on the set of The Wizard of Oz. Oh, yeah. Because, like, I don't know if you guys are aware at all, but, like, it was considered, like, the most, like, jinxed Hollywood set mm-hmm. at the time, and, like, a lot of shit went down before they actually were able to finish filming the movie. One of those things being the original makeup for the Tin Man had a poison in it. Mm-hmm. I can't, I don't remember, I don't think it was arsenic. But I don't was remember either. It was maybe the, the aluminum, 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 <laughs> aluminum, I think it was something regarding that. Like, I think they used like actual aluminum powder or something to color his skin silver and he ended up getting extremely sick like he was poisoned from it like almost dying type status so i mean like they did this kind of shit with all sorts of stuff back then oh yeah because again we didn't know (laughs) no exactly and like even there there are people to this day that will claim that the tin man was over exaggerating and that he did not get sick and he just didn't want to be a part of the production like i'm pretty sure it actually scarred his skin to the point where he had like visible scars he did not he did not as far as i know continue to work in the industry yeah he was i'd be curious to look into that oh i'll show you i'll if you guys are interested, let me know. I'll give you the name of the video. <laughs> this chick told a really great story. It was very interesting. I love all things Judy Garland, so, of course, I'm obsessed. So, on top of beauty regimens, arsenic was popularly used in certain pigments as well. The blue color in fireworks, oddly enough, and anything emerald green are, like, two specific things Weirdly. that relied on arsenic and its use led to accidental poisonings of artists and other craftsmen the symptoms of arsenic poison it mimicked cholera so it wasn't really easily discovered which i wonder if that played a role in why nanny went undiscovered oh i'm also, sure you know what i mean well because back then like i said refrigeration was questionable nobody saw their doctors like nobody was really that healthy right. like There was a lot of factors working in Nanny's favor. Let's just say that. Exactly. I found this little bit interesting that during the Middle Ages and the Renaissance like time period, arsenic actually earned the nickname of inheritance powder (laughs) because inpatient heirs used it to kill off their predecessors so their inheritance would be accelerated. I was literally like, oh shit. You know, you're next in line to whatever throne. Just throw some arsenic in their power hungry whatever y'all are nuts (laughs) um and again arsenic was used for a lot of things in this instance that i'm going to talk about again not so great this is a twofer guys yeah right for one today this story was interesting (laughs) too um it was utilized post-world war one by what are called the angel makers in hungary to commit several murders um the number is questionable. Yeah. Um, the Angel Makers were a group of women who, between 1914 and 1929, poisoned an estimated 40 people. Again, it's a sliding scale. Might could be more. Might yeah. could be less. I think we the range really literally went up to, like, maybe 60. Uh, several different sources. You know how these things are, guys. Like, several different sources said different things. Right. An average of 40. We'll go with that. Uh, there was this midwife who arrived in their village, which is 
basically unpronounceable, so it's not yeah. included here. I, did, I, did, I didn't even bother. I was like, please don't make me say I it. I can barely say normal words. It's true. I'm I'm going to drink in me and it's game over. Right. <laughs> so she arrives in this village just a few years before all of these-ish things take place. She constantly was imprisoned for performing illegal abortions, but was acquitted every single time. In Hungarian society at that time, women did not have a lot of, if any, choices regarding their own lives or their own well-being. Husbands were chosen for teenage brides by their family, and the young girls were forced to just basically suck it up and Mm -hmm. accept it, which makes one a punch through a wall. Yep. Divorce was never an option. Uh, It wasn't socially allowed, even in situations of extreme abuse, which obviously there were some of those. Oh, yeah. In World War One, these men were sent out to war with their home village becoming a place for holding prisoners of war. So the women started to have some fun while their husbands were gone, Ooh, if, you, yeah. if you know what we mean. <laughs> wink, 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 wink. However, when they were forced to give up their lovers upon the men returning home, things quickly escalated. Um, this midwife was secretly talking these women into poisoning the people around them that were like keeping them trapped so like their husbands but it also eventually grew to like family members slash anyone standing in their way from what i read like this is like girl power gone bad kind of thing because like my on arsenic basically my knee-jerk reaction is like hell yeah you were performing these abortions for these people like hell yeah these women are doing their own thing like cheating is not cool but like Neither is abusing your wife, so... And then you keep reading, and you're like, oh, no. Yeah. So, they... She told them to boil fly paper and just skim off the lethal the lethal residue. Because, again, arsenic. Yep. Why wouldn't it be arsenic? <laughs> and soon enough, these women would not just go after their husbands, but family members and pretty much anyone else they felt wronged by, which is the theme of today's episode, yes. is revenge. This became quite the trend throughout the years, and the village actually earned the nickname the Murder Districts. Um, The midwife was the closest thing to a doctor that the village had, so she was the one that actually signed off on all the death certificates and all the things that, like, ultimately allowed (laughs) the murders to go undetected for years. years. They were eventually found out and eventually prosecuted. There was a a total of 26 women tried, eight of which received death sentences two of them actually being executed and 12 others received prison sentences that's crazy right (laughs) but that wait that's only 20 people so i wonder if like the other six i would assume got like got off maybe were acquitted we hope (laughs) not that ever killing anybody is right dear god Mm -hmm. people but no but that was like a whole crazy little thing well, and that was a weird time. Europe was trying to rebuild after World War One, before mm-hmm. World War Two took it all out again. So it's like, just, shit was sort of crazy. Just well, and these do women. Thing. It, I think this is kind of like you know this gave me like Charlie um, Charles Manson vibes. Oh, like she was kind of or- this woman, this midwife, like kind of came into this village and kind of orchestrated. Like all of those women were likely very easily manipulated, manipulated and right. vulnerable. Oh, especially, I would definitely say, yeah, vulnerable. You know what I mean? And so, like, it just, it kind of gives me the vibes that, like, ultimately it feels like she's the one responsible. Like the puppet master with the strings type of thing. But the women are the ones that ultimately carried out the murders, so they need to be held accountable Definitely accountable. So, yeah, a little two-for-one action for you guys today. No big deal. I like it. 
Look at us go. So that was Nanny Doss. What Very interesting think? case. I, yeah. She, like I said, do a Google image search because you will just be laughing right along with her. Oh, for sure. Bitch is crazy. So that's what we got for this week. We'd yeah. like to thank you guys so, so much for listening. If you're new here, welcome. Please continue to hang out with us. If you've been sticking around for a while, thank you so much. We appreciate you. We have seen a little bit of growth over the last couple weeks, so things have been really exciting on our end. It's been pretty fun. And we really want to try to come up with some, like, we want to come up with, like, some cool things to do for fall because we're Halloween nuts. So if you guys have any suggestions, especially, like, any of my local friends listening, let us know. Like, we want to do some cool local shit. Absolutely. If you have any case ideas, drink ideas, ingredients you want us to use, just shout them out. There's a lot of really good breweries and distilleries and wineries, all sorts of that kind of shit around us. So, like, if you have a favorite that you want us to check out, we'll, we'll take a field we'll, trip one we'll day. Do it. No big No big deal. Hell yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, as always, guys, a little bit of business. We're available on all sorts of platforms to listen to. We've got Anchor. We've got Spotify. Google. iTunes. You, you pick it. You name it. We got it. It's true. All sorts of shit. I'm working on a couple other places, but those are the main contenders. So we've got our social medias, our Facebook, and our Instagram, at Crime and Spirits Pod. We've got Twitter, which is at Crime Spirits Pod. And we are eventually going to get much better at actively doing things it's true it's social media is weird guys and i'm figuring it out and i don't like it but we're gonna get we're there. working on it we're planning on reels for the drinks and all kinds of fun stuff like that so so keep an eye out and again if you guys have any suggestions or just want to say hey we would really appreciate it hey girl hey anything you want to say to our peoples nope that's it we love you we love you thank you bye guys bye